G'day and welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others podcast, mainly for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday, and big thank you to C-Suite Radio and C-Suite TV for their support and sponsorship. This is the show to help you explore ways to become the best version of yourself at work as a manager. Each episode, you'll hear from some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share your passion to elevate and transform team culture. They share insights in self-leadership and leading others. Together, we can make workplace culture better. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Hella Bundgaard is the founder of Motivation Factor Institute, focusing on translating new discoveries in neuropsychology into hands-on tools that support motivation. Author of The Motivated Brain, co-authored with neuroscientist Jefferson Roy from MIT Boston, Heller lectures at universities and business schools in Asia, North America and Switzerland on how to manage motivation. Welcome, Heller Bundgaard. Thank you very much, Nina. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm so excited to find your book because I was looking up Amazon for books on motivation and the motivated brain came up and I went, this looks really good. And what I really like is you've created this uh, motivation factor profile and you say, I bought the Kindle, so I had it immediately. You say, well, before you start reading, here's the link to do the, the, the motivation factor and uh, it measures your uh, extrinsic and uh, your motivation capability and intrinsic motivation. So that was pretty exciting to do. I, I love questionnaires. <laughs> yeah, I think that that was, uh, if you look at it, I, at least for us, we didn't find any assessment really that purely were working to measure motivation, at least from a more... Uh, um, from a brain perspective in the sense that where is your capacity in the brain when we talk about motivation? So that is why we wanted to measure motivation but also provide words to what actually motivates you as an individual. You could say that that, the, that what is important, what is most important to really about understanding motivation is brain structures in the sense that what is going on in the emotional part of the brain and what is going on in the rational part of the brain, you can say. Because the brain um, has this structure uh, which we have from, you know, far behind, I mean, from evolution, right? That it will always take care of the emotional part first before you think about things rationally. So therefore, it's really under important for your own motivation to understand where does it come from? This kind of motivation, is it catalyzed by emotions or is it catalyzed by more rational thinking? So that is, the, you could say, that is the core message in the book about how to identify where does my motivation come from and how can I manage it yeah so that yeah. is yeah now it's interesting doing the profile because I, I'm a lover of profiles I've done the Myers-Briggs the disc yeah. and what's yeah. interesting is you talk about energy needs talents and purpose and that's yeah. the ENTP in Myers-Briggs yeah. made, yeah. made it real easy to remember it <laughs> I must love that. Absolutely. <laughs> I've heard that before. And actually, I also come out as an ENCP. But you know, the interesting thing here is 
You know, in my I have worked as an executive leadership coach for many years as well at, at the business schools, and I I know you know almost all these personality and typology assessments out there. What I struggled with myself was that if we go back to the Myers Briggs, for instance, I come out as an extrovert, right? However, if my freedom, which is a need, which you can see in the assessment, if my freedom gets pushed too much, I become I get introverted behavior, I withdraw. So this is about understanding why. One thing is to be labeled. This is, you know, this is how you are, either from a personality trait point of view or from a typology point of view. But I was still lacking the true understanding of, okay, but why? Why is it sometimes I'm this and sometimes that? And the assessment that we developed are actually able to put those wise. Essentially, this um, this book and this uh, episode is about how to crack the code of motivation so mm-hmm. managers can apply it with their team. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Now, to what extent are managers thinking about the deeper aspects of, of how to motivate individuals in their team? Because you more or less have to, it's a bit like marketing, you have to segment your, your target audience and, and market to their specific, um, you know, indicators. So managers too, it's not one size fits all. Is that right? Absolutely. And that is such a good question. And this, so you could say, honestly, you cannot motivate others. You can't do that unless they are motivated to be motivated by. So this, as a manager, actually, Partly understanding your own motivation can be difficult enough, right? What is it that takes away your motivation and what gives you motivation? But then also try to understand other people's motivation, which again is individual and situational. That can be hard. That can really be hard. Um, so that is one thing that, that but, but as a manager, I think that um, going through the book here, that at least gives you uh, a good, I think, uh, little framework to always look at it in this way. What is taking away motivation and what gives motivation? Mm. The, and this is the other thing that it, there is an over-focus on, you know, staying people highly motivated because yeah. actually it is what takes the motivation away that is a, a much bigger issue out there than keeping people motivated. Most people are motivated, but if they have too many things that takes away their motivation. You start the book comparing a little bit of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and would would it be correct to say that most managers should understand, at least be aware of Maslow's work? Or does uh, well, yes. Or does yeah, it matter? No, but you are absolutely right because it kind of speaks to the same, which is the different parts in the brain. We all know that if we are... If, as I said, if there's too many distractions, if we feel that we have an emotional thing that we can't really solve, then we are not thinking about, you know, uh, our purpose or all this kind of about meaningfulness, maybe even. It is the same with Maslow, right? That if you don't have a shelter, if you don't have food, then you don't really care about realizing right, stuck in survival. You can only be in, uh, go up the, high, up the pyramid and at the top is self-actualization. 
You can exactly. only go up the pyramid if your basic yeah. needs are, are looked after. So, so then yes. you've got things like you know achievement and uh, mastery, and then you talk about Daniel Pink's work because he brings it down to three things: purpose, mastery, and autonomy. Yes. And how useful was was Pink's work there? Well, I mean, every work I think is useful that actually are talking about these things in a different way. And I think that what Daniel Pink has done is also that he has actually made it very tangible in some way. That's something that you can work with on a day-to-day basis, right? Um, so, but but the point here is that you can have a, you can have a purposeful life. You can find you can find meaning in your life, but you can still be dissatisfied and you can still be unhappy from time to time. So, this is why uh, the hierarchy of motivation uh, gives you a structure to uh, to identify what you need to avoid and what you need to pursue in order to keep your uh, your uh, can you say you happy or ha- uh, live this purposeful life that you want find meaning so it's um, so just so just so the listeners are following the hierarchy of motivation is are those four terms that I, I mentioned earlier energy uh, needs talents and purpose. Yes. Energy at the at the base and then going up the pyramid. So that's the hierarchy, yes. your your motivation factor. And, yes. and so you do start off your book asking the question, what are the conditions for intrinsic motivation in the workplace? And of course, intrinsic is coming from within. You're a self-driven yes. person as opposed to extrinsic, which is, you know, uh, uh prizes or or remuneration or or um you know awards those yeah. are extrinsic right so i think intrinsic is is deeper and more lasting long lasting would that be right exactly and the the the, the paradox here is that um you can be so intrinsic motiv- motivated that it actually can decrease your performance it can decrease a lot of things because just imagine this, that you, you are an employee in a company that you have been working with the same thing for a long time, a project, for instance, or whatever it could be. Then the management, you know, start to launch a new uh, strategy, a new change process or whatever it could be. But you're so intrinsic motivated towards what you already are doing. So you don't really want to do something else. You just want to do this. Yeah. So this is why the missing component from how I see it is this what we call motivation capabilities. How, how uh, you could also say, how, uh, how resistant are you really to change to actually say, okay, well, now I need to move over here. I'm very motivated towards this, but I do need to make this change. And how can I do, uh, go about to do that faster uh, than I would do normally? So, yeah. so it becomes a conscious decision that you can find the motivation to do something that maybe they want you to do in the workplace if you can find a deep enough reason to make the shift, even though you like being in your little corner, but you might find a meta-awareness around, well, it's going to develop me as a, uh, towards being a CEO or, or, you know, a promotion in the business to a senior leader, and that might be something else that appeals or it may not appeal, of course. Is that is that sort of the the uh, the, the the track that you that that I'm following with you? 
Yeah, we talk a lot about resilience. And you can say this hierarchy of motivation gives you a structure. Let's just say that you, as I said, you're very intrinsic motivated towards the current strategy in the company. Now they want to move to a new strategy. So what you can do with this hierarchy of motivation is that you can actually link it to any kind of objective. So in the sense that what drains my energy in regards to be motivated towards this new strategy? How is my need being threatened towards doing this? How can I apply my talents even more in this new strategy? And what is my purpose towards this new strategy? So in that sense, you can kind of, you can apply this hierarchy of motivation to yeah, any kind of objective. And so if a, if a manager is leading a team and is trying to develop the capability of individuals because we, we're we very big on uh, cultivating one-on-one uh, meetings with people. A yeah. manager could actually talk about these four aspects, uh, ENTP, energy, yeah. talents, yeah. needs, and purpose. Yeah. The way to have the frame the conversation to encourage uh, someone who maybe is a little bit uh, focused in uh, you know, in a smaller area and you want them to expand their focus. So it becomes a framework to have that conversation. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly, Nina. Uh, it creates a structure hmm. to work with motivation. Uh, and as you said, have that conversation. Okay, you know, what is currently draining your energy in regards to reaching your goals or objective? How does your coaching conversation? Some people find it difficult even to put words to what motivates them, uh, but they also find it difficult to put words to what demotivates them. Or maybe sometimes it's even easier to actually to say what you don't want than to say what you want, right? And the other thing is that um, that when you, for instance, ask a person, so what is your previous successes? If you if you try to go that down that route to find out what motivates people. Well, you know, what what was a success in the past is not necessarily what are going to motivate you today because motivation change. This, this It's not chopped in stone. It does change because motivation is always formed of your previous experiences. And those experiences change all the time, right? That's right. That's right. And uh, even Vroom talks about expectation of success is yes. uh, impacts whether you'll even start uh, on, on a project. Because if you think you're going to fail, you won't even you won't even try. Because then you can then you then you can save face and go, oh well, I I, I didn't yeah. even try. So you know you can't fail if you don't try. So there's that that yeah. whole push-pull there. I'd be interested to to talk a little bit more about the energy drainers because you talk about at least six types of energy drainers, Um, uh, expectation energy drainers, boundary energy drainers, uh, toleration energy drainers, and there's even would, should, and could energy drainers. Yeah, exactly. So I have a feeling that that's important. So can you tell us about that? Absolutely. We always, uh, when we start working with motivation, whether it's uh, on the individual or it's with a team, we always start to talk about what drains your energy right now. Yeah. Yeah. So an energy drainer, the interesting thing here is that 80% of what drains people's energy is about something others do or don't do. Right. So the first so, so the first thing is really to recognize that you can't change others. The other thing is to understand the formula behind the energy trainer, because an energy trainer occurs 
when your expectations doesn't match the life circumstances. Uh, for instance, micromanaging, that could be an energy trainer. My boss is micromanaging me, right? Or it could be coming back to the compliance systems again. That is also an energy trainer. Now, the whole work about the energy trainer is actually, first of all, to put words to it, to move it from the emotional part of the brain to the more rational part of the brain, because the emotional part of the brain doesn't have a language. And as long as it's just running around in the emotional part of the brain, it takes away space for you to actually be creative and think out of the box. So first, we need to put words to it. And... This, uh, let's just play with the energy trainer that micromanaging, my boss is micromanaging me. So those four categories that we talk about, that that energy trainer, you have a lot of expectations connected to that energy trainer. You have a lot of maybe standards, boundaries connected to that energy trainer. You're also tolerating something from that energy trainer. And you also feel some kind of guilt towards this energy trainer. So it's all about talking about it. So for instance, my question would be, the energy trainer is micromanaging. So what expectations do you have in regards to, to this? The simple answer is, well, I'm expecting not to be micromanaged, but there is a lot of other, you know, so that it's all about putting words to it. And then when you have done that, move the to the next question, talking about what would you like instead? And that is to actually to move up here to think about solutions, opportunities, and what can you do that is within your circle of influence, that is within your control. You know what's interesting? Um, what, I'm, what I'm relating it to is I've, look, there was one year I had um, a, a, a student who'd done, who'd finished high school and she worked full-time for us and it was what's called a gap year, right, before they go to university. And um, we had other staff as well. And I had a conversation with her one-on-one -on -one and we just mapped out on the flip chart what are all her tasks and then we rated them, which are the ones that, that you like and you get pleasure from and which are the ones that you don't like as much. And we actually worked out two or three uh, parts of her tasks of her job that I went, well, if these are the ones that you dislike, why don't we see if we can um, assign those to other people in the office so that you're, because you're here, you're here more days than other, than some of our other part-timers. And I just, it just was innately in me, innately in me to ask her that because I, I, I remember I've been in jobs where I wish they'd asked me that. It's like, they're asking, they want me to do all this stuff, but I love 75% of it, but the other 25% of it, I, it's like I really don't like it. And it was enough to make me want to move on eventually because no one ever said, is there any bit of the job you don't like? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it seems to me that that's something that managers could be doing, but your framework gives a kind of a, a really good uh underpinning around you know how how to have that conversation so then you talk a little bit about identifying your needs and yeah. how how can you uh, help people uh, find out their needs I suppose they do your motivation factor <laughs> but, yeah. but otherwise how, how do people find out their needs uh, with if that if they're not reading your book 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And yeah, and that's uh, that's also a really good question because the needs are probably the most essential thing in all of this is really to understanding your needs. So you could also uh, reframe it in this way that your needs are your emotional triggers, right? Meaning that what is it that makes you discomfortable in this situation? No. Um, and for instance, uh, if we go back to the micromanaging situation, you can think about, oh, wow, but what makes me uncomfortable is that I don't feel that I have the freedom, for instance, to do the work as I would like to do. I might not feel hurt in that sense, or I might feel controlled. So, <clears throat> so if you look at what behavior you don't like and kind of try to make the link to, okay, I don't like this behavior. What is it doing to me? What is, what is my emotional triggers? Why am I getting mad in the traffic or wherever you are getting mad? Why am I getting mad with my kids if they haven't cleaned up? Then if that is what makes you mad, you probably have a need for order, right? So, yeah. See, this is really good because a lot of people just have emotional responses and don't reflect on, on the underpinning uh, or the root cause of it. This is really powerful yeah. stuff, Hella. Yeah, it is. And that is when we work with this, as I again, both with individuals and in teams, this is probably the part that gives people the most ahas uh, and insights. Because when you understand your own emotional triggers, it's much easier to understand others. And if we talk about self awareness, this is one of the most important components which also, again, links to the whole thing about emotional intelligence, what we call what is driving these things, yeah. And then you talk about talents, and you've got an interesting chapter. It says overusing talents. I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, that, was, that was quite interesting. Can you, can you yeah. go, to go into a little bit more depth about that, please? Yes. And, uh, yes, absolutely. So one of my talents is mastery. And before I actually, I did this whole work about the, 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 the motivated brain and all of that. When I was in the IT, I, I have a background uh, working in the IT industry. So because of that talent, I wanted to know everything, right? So what I did is that I actually sometimes overuse that talent in the sense that I wanted to master everything, meaning that I could spend hours diving into a lot of details that wasn't really you know, that didn't really do any added value to the customer or anything. It was just something that, could you say, pleased me. So this is about actually finding out that, okay, um, um, what can I give you an example? Yes, actually, I had a CFO I did uh, coach recently. One of his talents was also mastery, and his number one need was to be heard. Now, his issue was delegation. And he was really bad at this. So trust me, he's been on a lot of training to learn to delegate. However, this talent, again, make him want to master every detail, right? And also that combined with the need to be heard 
was like, yeah, but I love it. I love when people come in and ask about my opinion. So that is overuse of a talent. But think about if you say to that person, you need to delegate that you will actually go against the urge in your brain. So this is about overusing talents. First of all, it's about finding out how, you know, what talents am I, might I overuse? Do I catalyze too many things that I never close or what happens? But in this situation, what you can do is that you can have the conversation saying, okay, looking at your job, what is it that you gives you most energy? In this situation, it was the budgeting that really gave him energy. But the things that didn't give him energy was to collect the data to do it. So in that sense, we were like, okay, this about the budgeting. You need to keep that because then you calm your brain you, because there is a reason why you love to do this. So just saying to people, no, you can't do that anymore. When we get 360 feedbacks or whatever, we tell them, no, 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 you can't do that. So you're just, you know, you're competing with your brain. It doesn't make sense. And this is why change is so hard. You need to find areas then where you say, okay, the budgeting, I'm mastering that. I'm not giving that away. And then I'm the expert and people can ask for my advice. Yeah. Mm. So this is about how you can use this framework again to, to balance things more and actually become a better leader understanding uh, this feedback that you're getting, right? People with a high need to be heard can be really difficult for them to listen because they just want to maybe contribute so much all well, the time. Because they engage in what's called, um, uh, well, it's the opposite of active listening, passive listening, where yeah. they're already framing the answer in their head <laughs> exactly. while the other person's still talking yeah. and that's, that's the worst thing. Well, that other person isn't being heard. <laughs> yes, exactly. So two people with a need to be heard, no, they're yeah. not going to hear each other. <laughs> exactly. Um, that is a really ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, there are some people that, that shy away from even acknowledging their talents. Is that right? It's like they, they just think they don't have any. Okay, so that... Um, yeah, so that's also a very good uh, question because when we talk about talents in, in this framework here, we are not talking about competences. We are not talking about strengths. What we do talk about is where do you have the biggest cluster of connections? Meaning that this, for instance, the talent for creativity can come out in many different ways. Right, But it doesn't say anything about if you're good at creating new products or anything. It just says that that would be the preferred way the brain would go to a new uh, problem solving. For instance, my, my number one talent mastery, when I am faced with a new situation, I, I, my urge is to try to master the, the, the details behind it and find some logic right, so I can actually work out um, a solution. Um, so this is the when we when we work with this framework, uh, we connect what people love to do with their innate. We call it innate talents, right? Where they have this biggest cluster of connections. Right. And uh, from that, you can develop strengths, and you can you know you can you can uh, develop competences. But it's more that you understand the connection between what you are good at, what gives you energy, also to, to these innate talents so you can use them more broadly, you could say. 
And and you call this the motivation wheel, is that right? Energy, uh, needs, talent, and, and we, we get to purpose now. Now, yeah. is, is, do you think that's part of the role of a manager is to um, really identify purpose and help their individual contributors connect what they do with the higher purpose of what they do? Is that is that something that managers could um, focus on to create more motivation with their team members? Absolutely. Um, and you can say that, that it, it's about the why, right? Why? What, so why am I, as a person, important in regards to this, right? And often when we talk about purpose, it gets so up chunk that it's about what do you want to contribute to the world? What we try to do here is really to make it much more concrete in the sense that, um, for instance, Nina, the purpose of our company of motivation factor is that we uh, help individual teams and organizations find out what they need to pursue and avoid uh, to manage motivation. My individual purpose towards my company purpose is that through neuroscience, I develop and catalyze new programs and methodologies that help people find their motivation. That is my purpose. As long as I am within this frame, I know that I'm highly motivated because in this purpose is my talents. And and when I do this, uh, I also get satisfaction for my needs, right? So what we do when we when we do these programs or when you work with this hierarchy of motivation is really to get it more rounded and get it more tangible in the sense that, okay, this is your job. What is your particular purpose towards this job? Why are you here? Why are you really here? And, and helping the individual again when they have this purpose and they have done the whole hierarchy of motivation that they can identify Huh, now I have this energy drainer. How do I get rid of this so I can be better at actually living my purpose here? Um, right, right. Yeah. Getting rid of the energy drains. I mean, that it all starts from there, really. Yeah. And of course, yeah. um, d- different teams could, they could all get their uh, motivation factor done. Yeah, yeah. You can they, they understand what's driving each other. Because yeah. it seems to me that's why the beauty of Myers Briggs, DISC, and Herman Brain Dominance Instrument, all of these. Is, um, is to understand what motivates your team members because to assume that everybody is like you is such a big error. Everybody's different Absolutely. and we've got huge diversity. Yeah. What question do you want me to ask you that will bring out more about the motivation factor that I haven't yet asked you? Yeah, what question. Uh, We were recently, so we do these assessments, as you also mentioned there, and uh, I asked um, to get a report looking at the motivation from mid-year 2017 to mid-year 2019. And then again to do a new uh, and look at assessments taken from 2019 to mid-2021 during corona. Because what I hear all the time is that motivation has dropped. So I was thinking, okay, it could be interesting to see, did it really drop? Because my assumption was that it didn't. It was just different things that demotivated people. So we did this. And actually, it was, yes, it was, the the motivation as such hasn't really changed a lot. But uh, 
of course, uh, what what uh, the, the the drivers behind it has changed. And I think that if there's one message I would like to get out here is that we need to look at motivation instead of looking at it in this rigid way that, oh, we need to stay motivated. We are always motivated. We are always motivated. It's about what is difficult for us human beings is to prioritize between the things that motivates us, right? Because everything we do is driven by motivation. motivations. Is exactly. It's, yes. And, of course, exactly. we've got the push-pull of our family versus the push-pull of our career and then the push-pull of all of our recreational activities that we want to pursue. Yes, and, exactly. and also different people have different needs to be alone versus be with others. And, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's we're navigating all of our motivations all the time in all these different contexts. Ah, oh, look, it's, it's, it's such an endless topic, but you've really put it in a nutshell. It's an easy read. Um, well, it's a, it's a, it's not, it's not simple. It's, it's actually a very, um, a very detailed and a very sophisticated, yet easy to understand uh, hierarchy of motivation and the wheel of motivation. It and it just it just flows so easily. So I thoroughly recommend this to any manager that wants to get under the surface of what what drives motivation and and the push pull of it all. I, I don't think I don't think there's a simple answer, but at least you. You, you carve a few pathways that uh, is, is part of the journey towards understanding what, what, uh, how, how can you keep a team motivated and keep individuals within that team operating at, um, at a high-performing level? Is that, is that too yes. simplistic to call it that way? No, not at all. Um, not at all. It's, and that is uh, the whole thing here that, you know, I spent four years putting this together. Uh, with all the neuro uh, digging through this, and the purpose was to make it simple and actionable. Yes, that's what that's exactly the the phrases I'm looking for. It is simple, it's and yet it is a sophisticated concept. Yes. But you've made something complex very simple uh, and easy to understand. But also, it's very actionable. So, um, how how do you work with people, Hella? Do you uh, do you work across time zones? Do you do one on one coaching with managers? Do you coach uh, t- whole teams? You know, maybe one at a time, or or do group training? Well, tell us what you do. Yeah, so uh, our company um, is uh, is uh, based on uh, train. You know, you could say train the train because that was the other thing when I developed this. I didn't want to build a big consultants organization myself. So it was all a matter of putting all this knowledge into, as I said, simple, actionable tools, workshops that works, you know, cross culture, gender, personality traits, and all of that. So what we do is that we train others and that could be a manager. It could be a consultants company that, that brings this out as an offering it could be a coach that is uh, getting certified in these tools that is around the motivated um, brain. So that is what we do. And today we have about 300, uh, what we call them associates all over the world. So that means that if you are a company, if you're a leader, you can either hire uh, a, uh, you know, uh, 
consultants, a facilitator, a coach to help you in, in your organization, in your country, or you can get certified yourself so you get better at really working with these uh, motivations as a management tool. And uh, where are most of your consultants now? You're based in uh, Denmark. We're based in Denmark, yeah. In we have Denmark a huge... Or? Unfortunately, not in Australia yet. So, but they would be happy to go there. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so we have uh, um, most of the the, the the associates is based in Asia and in North America. Right. Yeah. Uh, but of course, we also have in Europe, right? Yes. Um, I also do some myself. Uh, of course, that's that's um, always a balance, right? But uh, but I think it's important also to have the hands in the mold you could say yourself to 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 uh, keep you sharp out there yeah um so i also do some individual coaching and, and company right. uh, and training so your, your website will be in the show notes but tell us your website again please hella yeah it's uh, motivationfactor.com yeah that is our website yeah that's yeah. exactly what the uh, profile is motivationfactor.com yes well, yeah absolutely fascinating um it's 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 an area that I think is a little bit neglected. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and yet it's the it's the it's the the underpinning of everything. So exactly, you're doing Spot really on. good work as well as your uh, your your uh, other co-author. Thank you very much, Nina. I really appreciate it, and thank you for having me in your in your <laughs> show here. <laughs> yes, it's a real pleasure having this conversation. So, thank you very much, Hella Bunker. Lovely to speak with you. This episode, we've been speaking with Hella Bundgaard on the Manage Self Lead Others podcast for experienced and aspiring people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. Thank you for listening. Until next time, ciao for now. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.